where nobody knows your name is not filmed in front of a live studio audience. Hello and welcome to Where Nobody Knows Your Name, a Cheers podcast. I'm James. And I'm John. We're going to be talking about the ninth episode of season five, written by Shri Aiken and Bill Steinkellner, directed by James Burrows. It aired on the 27th of November, 1986, which isn't just, you know, your average day. It's a very special day. It's Thanksgiving Day. <gasps> and this episode is Thanksgiving Orphans, a true classic, John. Yeah, I know. We, we finally made it here. I've seen images of this episode on, on the fan pages on, on Facebook. And now I know the context of those images. Notable for many reasons is this one. I'm very excited about this one. This one is, I've got to say, it's like a, I've never seen this episode before. This is my fresh hot take on it. It's very good. That's my hot take. <laughs> It's, it's as hot as a, as a Thanksgiving meal, is it, John? <laughs> well, uh, no, but we'll get into that later on. In 1997, TV Guide ranked this at number seven of the 100 greatest TV episodes of all time. And I can see why. Like, it, it, it genuinely is one of the, probably one of the best episodes. It's not setting the bar that much. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, you're sitting down. You've ate way too much turkey and candied yams. I believe this is a, a thing. It's a great phrase to say. And you're sitting down and you're going, oh, I couldn't possibly eat any more. But, oh, what's this delicious treat? It's cheers. <laughs> I like that. That's just, that. I suppose we've got to get in the mentality. We're both UK based. So Thanksgiving is a little bit of a foreign thing for us. We don't celebrate it. At least I don't, James, do you? I eat a lot of turkey. Oh, there we go. James half celebrates it. <laughs> I just go, is this an excuse to eat lots of poultry? Go on then. But this is this is a nice introduction to Thanksgiving for me, I think. You know, there's a few sitcoms that I've seen specials for before. I think this is maybe one of the best. Yeah, but in the cold open, we talk about another special day, I suppose. A Christmas. Comes earlier every year. This year we're going to be talking about it in the uh, middle of May. <laughs> Festive. I tell you what, though, that's quite fitting with the cold open because uh, Woody comes in with a box of decorations and Sam says Christmas comes earlier every year. <laughs> We're releasing this in May. So, you know, that, that's pretty early. Woody does do like a little sort of side. Uh, I think it's the same day every year. So, yeah, in the cold open, Woody is very excited for Christmas. He's got some homemade decorations, I think. There's a Grinch in the bar. <laughs> it's a Grinch by the name of Frasier. It's there to ruin Christmas. He's a mean one, Mr. Crane. I feel like we we should have, or they should have like a, what was the psychology, Psychology Weekly? Was that the TV show who was on a couple of weeks ago? Psychology This Week? Yeah. I feel like they should have a Christmas version where uh, Dr. Frasier Crane just destroys Christmas carols and Christmas fun. Because that's what he does. He, he's a mean one. Mr. Shrink. Oh, oh. <laughs> you I, that that means that whatever I said between the last time you said he's a mean one, Mr. Crane, you weren't paying attention. You were just coming up with that gem. <laughs> well, it, it was worth it, James. That's he's a mean one, Mr. Shrink. Wow. He destroys the story of Rudolph and says that it's full of lies and it's a bad message for kids. I didn't think it was before, but after this impassioned explanation, I think I agree with him. The story of Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer is one of the most unrealistic and therefore potentially damaging in all of children's music. It gives them a horribly distorted view of reality. Yeah, but you gotta admit, it's easy to whistle. No. Look, I'm serious. No, first the other reindeer tease and then ostracize him, and then when his abnormality proves of service, they use him. <laughs> then do they allow him to play in their stupid reindeer games yes oh no 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 i know how the song goes in fact 
Not only do Donner, Blitz, and Et Al not love him and laugh out with glee, but they doubly despise the bulbous-nosed little whip. Well, I gotta be off. Happy holidays. Yeah, I see what you mean, James. After after hearing his uh, debate, I, I gotta hand it to him. He's got a lot of good points. <laughs> But anyway, into the main episode after Frasier just obliterates all the Christmas joy. Well, it hasn't dampened people's spirits because Diane is very excited for the holidays and has her Thanksgiving all planned out. I was going to say it's a new Thanksgiving for a lot of people for a lot of reasons. I think it's the first Thanksgiving that Carla's children are not with her. Mm. They're with Nick this Thanksgiving, Nick and Loretta. Norm's alone, sort of. Vera's gone off to her mother's, and Norm doesn't want to go. Sam has a Thanksgiving date, which is lovely, but I'd assume a lot of places would be closed. Yeah, I imagine some kind of public holiday. Saying that, maybe it's quite a busy day, because there's obviously the parade, so that would mean a lot of people are out in the town. I warn people about this, we're both UK-based, we don't know what we're talking about. But what we do know is everyone in the bar has either some sort of plan, or they're looking like they're going to be alone. And Carla offers that she'll uh, host for all the, the lonely people. Oh, which is charitable. Yeah, and, and what that means is we, we get to see Carla's house again, which we haven't visited since it was haunted. But it also means that we get this lovely family setting, which will be a cheers Thanksgiving dinner. So that sets the scene. Carla's making this dinner for the lonely. Diane is going to some kind of fancy occasion. And Sam has a date. That's, that's basically it. Everyone else's plans are spending it with Carla. Should we dig into Diane's plans to begin with? She's been offered to go to uh, an annual party that one of the doctors at her college does, which is Dr. Nasutis. He only invites his favourite students uh, to break bread with some of the most honoured guests, including William Styron. The William Styron? The very same. I wasn't totally sure who that was, <laughs> so I had to Google. He's a, he's a very famous American novelist and essayist, and there's quite a nice line from Frazier, and he says, What a wonderful opportunity for you, Diane. You know, perhaps in the evening you can establish a rapport with Mr. Styron while passing the yams. Who knows? Come pie time, he may well have taken you under his wing and launched you into the literary galaxy. Frazier, you and I are of like mind. Except one of us is kidding. And I don't know when it happened, but they kind of established Frazier as the opposite of Diane. He's no longer the outsider. He's one of the gang now. When he came in, him and Diane were very similar. And he's developed a very acute sense of humour. And I think that's kind of one of the, the standout lines is except one of us is kidding, which I thought was great. I think Frazier and Norm, in terms of personality, are quite similar. I think it's their background which differs, but I think personality-wise, they're fairly similar, if you see what I mean. Yeah. To quote Sherry Stinkerner, the, the writer of this episode, they always thought of the, the people of Cheers as a family. And in a sense, uh, no matter... Whether you like them or not, you still have to see them tomorrow. They're always at the bar. So they thought the idea of putting them all in the ultimate family situation, that family Thanksgiving was appropriate. And I think that's where we get a lot of really good sort of, you said that Norm and Fraser are very similar people. We get some really nice moments between them, almost brotherly. Yeah, exactly. Kind of that odd couple vibe, but personalities close enough that they're able to have a battle of words against each other. Shall we get into the, the meat of this episode, which is Carla's house and what happens? I think so, as you would do with the Thanksgiving dinner 
big bird, not the big bird from Sesame Street, <laughs> but, but a, a large turkey. It would be a rather sinister Thanksgiving episode. <laughs> but uh, we open up onto Carla's living room, which has now been decorated out since we last saw it. Woody and Fraser are there and Carla are there and they're having a really nice Thanksgiving. I think Cliff's there as well at this point. And they're all watching TV. It's a very homely vibe. Cliff gives Woody like a little scruff of the hair. Aww. A very fatherly moment. They're all sort of cozied up on the sofa. It's lovely. What's happened? <laughs> <laughs> but as uh, other guests begin to arrive, we find out that their plus ones are not coming. And that starts when Norm arrives and uh, we find out that him and Vera have had uh, what he describes as the worst fight of their marriage. Ah, but they separated once and Norm lived in Cheers, so it's got to be bad. Yeah, this is the worst. And I think it's, you know, it's Norm says that Vera doesn't understand how much this means to him. The alternative plan was to go to Vera's mother-in-law. From what the writer said, you know, that everyone at Cheers is, is like family. And Vera's never spent time with Norm's family. I mean, some, sometimes because Norm has not let her. And I think he was quite looking forward to that. And instead, he's now got a raw turkey, which he's brought, which is going to take a long time to cook. A big bird. A big, <laughs> a big bird, yes. There's yellow feathers everywhere. That's what the fight was about. <laughs> Think of the children, Norm, as Norm's just chasing the six-foot canary down the street. So he goes and puts that in the oven, and that's going to take a long time, which means they get a lot of TV time. One of the things they're watching is the parade. The wrestling match on TV is a Hulk Hogan versus Paul Orndorff at WWF Saturday Night Main Event from October 4th, 1986. Before the, the wrestling happens, Sam arrives. Sam's supposed to bring a plus one. She does not arrive as well. A lot of people are going stag to this party. In fact, everyone is. And they are there having a great time. They're like, hey, everyone's here. The turkey's going to cook. We've got some popcorn balls from last <laughs> Halloween. We're going to have a great time. Cliff compares it to what he would have been doing. And he says, this is much better than hanging around with a bunch of dingbat cousins all day. And Sam says, yeah, we're waiting for some duddy old aunt to show up. And then sort of uh, almost on cue, James, <laughs> the doorbell goes. Gobble, gobble. I love Carla's reaction to instantly try and close the door on Diane. <laughs> yes, she was uh, the uninvited guest at the feast. And I guess that's where the, the name of this episode comes from of Thanksgiving orphans is all of them don't really have a home to go to. So we find out that Diane's party wasn't quite what it seemed. She was being a server going around with canapes and drinks and whatnot, which isn't great. Yeah. Tell you what, James, we've missed one of the elephants in the room of this whole episode. Diane's get up and she has dressed, uh, she's been dressed this whole episode as a pilgrim. In case you were unsure what holiday it was. <laughs> and she has been running through the streets from this serving job that she thought was a Thanksgiving dinner, dressed as a pilgrim, all the way to Carla's house. But I think uh, this episode, we see Carla's good nature come through a little bit more because she has actually welcomed everyone into her home, which I think in season one, we wouldn't have thought she would do. She had a, a very strong detest for everyone at Cheers. I mean, she still does, but it's a warm detest. <laughs> And then after that, they all decide to make this the best Thanksgiving ever. Real Charlie Brown vibes. Yeah. And then moving on from there, they, they start to watch TV. This is where we get the Hulk Hogan they're watching. And Diane's like, pretty miffed they're just watching sports. But they reassure that the game's almost over. And then like two games and a wrestling match later, she realises that. I thought the teams were wearing different colours. And as the sport changes from wrestling to, to football, she goes, this isn't even the same sport. <laughs> 
I think what does happen is a lot of people just bite their tongues through a lot of the, and this reflects probably most family holidays, like festive holidays, where people sort of bite their tongues throughout all of it. Just knowing that food will be there soon. Yeah. When this happens, Diane sort of bites her tongue a bit. Other things that happen is maybe, maybe even Cliff's old popcorn. People bite their tongue a little bit about that. If I was Carla, I'd be fuming because that TV has been pivoted back and forth. And this is where I said there was some brotherly vibes between Norm and Fraser because they both were sat on opposite ends of the living room, turning the TV to face their chair. And everyone else will sort of just adjust to wherever the TV is. But they are pretty adamant. And I think Sam joins in at one point as well. And if I was Carla, I think she's just been biting her tongue, seeing scratches on her new flooring. As all of this sort of progresses, I think more and more tensions get bottled up. And Diane suggests that they all go into the, the dining room. Norm agrees that it'll all be ready soon so they can go into the dining room and get ready for the dinner. And uh, they've got some starters on the table, but they can't have them yet until the, the big bird is ready. Diane says that this was one thing which I thought, if I was in that meal, this would great on me. Diane says people went to a lot of effort to make this meal. We'll wait for it to be all on the table. And I thought, yeah, a lot of people have, but you weren't one of them, Diane. You showed up uninvited. You did. You showed up uninvited. And also people made a lot of effort to make these dishes on the table already. That's what I mean. Uh, yeah, so... <laughs> Shut it, Diane. <laughs> You know what I'm not thankful for? You. Diane leads a round of thanks. There's a great moment where Sam is returning from the bathroom, sees Diane's leading this thanks, and does like a 360 pivot. A 360 or a 180. <laughs> but she catches him. She knows he's there. And as you say, they lead a round of thanks, which leads to some funny and at times heartfelt dialogue. I think Woody kicks off one of the uh, thanks. His one starts quite good, I think. Yeah, he thinks he's sussed it out. But he says he's thankful that he's an American, thankful for the upbringing his parents gave him. He's thankful for the friends he made in Boston. And then he says he's thankful he can do this. And then, and then just like... A, Touches his nose with his tongue. Yeah. But you know, he said four things. Three out of four. That's not bad. Diane goes, that's not what I had in mind. Let me tell you who I'm thankful for. And she thanks probably everyone who's had any impact, any positive impact on her life at any point. Yeah, after after her long speech, you'd think the turkey would be ready. It's still not. Norm describes it as being like an off-white, not the ideal colour for a cooked turkey. And he's waiting for the little pop thing to go. And this is... <laughs> this starts off a whole, whole thing. And it's, uh, it's Fraser who snaps first, I think. And he says it's called a thermometer. And he gets really sort of passionately angry. The little pop thing has a name. It's called a thermometer. Now, can we all please say thermometer? Thermometer, yeah. We can say it though we're blue in the face. It's not going to make it pop out any faster. It's hard. When, when so much happens in a short space of time, it's hard to really know what kicks the stuff off. All I can remember, food flies. Basically, Norm flicks a pee. And Carl takes this as the front because, you know, Norm and Carla are arguing that Norm's big bird isn't cooking because it's the bird problem. No, it's the oven's problem. Yeah. Does it have a birdzilla? I'm going to stick with big bird for the horrific imagery. <laughs> they argue about whether it's the bird's fault or the oven's fault. Norm flicks a pee. Yeah, it's kind of like a petty attack. And that just escalates. Petty what? Oh, yeah. Delicious. <laughs> and that escalates into the room being covered in a food fight scene. And this food fight scene was only partially choreographed and everything after Sam throws the cranberry sauce isn't choreographed. You could see Ted Danson almost pulling a muscle in his in his leg. His biggest fight is with the chair. He slips and almost face palms the floor. He's really struggling. And this is the thing you can't you can't choreograph chaos. No matter how hard you try. There's potatoes everywhere, there's, there's yams. It's it's great to watch, but 
The Huffington Post voted the food fight scene among its 10 most awkward Thanksgiving scenes of all time, and this was in 2013. However, after this episode aired, the show received complaints because of a world hunger that was going on at the time, uh, stating that having a food fight was a political cause du jour. I could see why they were concerned. James Bowes has revealed that food that wasn't used in the scene was donated to charity. I can kind of see the point of the complaints. This is like two years off the back of Band-Aid, where that was like, and still is a, a big deal. I, something I was trying to get on, and I couldn't find them, James, was the actual viewing figures. I couldn't find them. It's uh, on Thanksgiving Day, and I'll tell you what, this ties into Sesame Street as well. It's all relevant, John. It's all planned. It's, it's not as chaotic as one thinks. Thanksgiving Day is kind of known for large viewerships as families, so you wouldn't get necessarily as individual ratings, because obviously people are together, so whereas they'd be apart normally, you'd get in a set family of four, at most four different TV sets, when everyone's together, it's one. And Sesame Street did this themselves when Mr. Hooper died on Sesame Street due to the actor actually dying. Mm. Sesame Street wanted to address this in a way, and they wanted to address the concept of death in Sesame Street. Heavy topic. So that the children watching it could talk about it and be with their families. They aired it on Thanksgiving. Hmm. Everyone could be together. If children needed comforting by their parents, they could be. And in this episode, the humans understand Mr. Hooper has died, but Big Bird has come in and he's drawn portraits of everyone. And he goes, oh, here you go, Roy. Here you go, John. And I've made one for Mr. Hooper. I'll give it to him. And they're like, he's not here, Big Bird. He's gone. I'll give it to him when he's come back. He's not coming back, Big Bird. So in terms of viewership, there's power in showing something on Thanksgiving Day. And Big Bird is relevant. I feel bad about the, the Big Bird jokes now. So there has been a chaotic food fight and cut afterwards and there's food everywhere. Everyone's covered in food. It's almost like the champagne bottle, you know, they've popped the champagne bottle and all the tension's gone there. Diane goes, well, we've all had a lot to eat, but I'll tell you what, I'm going to serve up Sam a nice cold plate of revenge. Uh, she goes out and gets to get a pie. And she goes, hey, Sam, goes to launch it at his face. And Sam cunningly ducks. Before all this, uh, the doorbell goes. Who could it be? Vera. And it's fine. Norman and Vera have uh, reconciled. She comes in. But, oh no, just as she's walking into the shot, the pie hits her in the face. So we get to see Vera, but not her face. <laughs> what a farcical scenario. The closing line after, after all that happens is, charming friends, Norm, get your coat. And Norm says, yes, dear. Interestingly, two people play Vera in this episode, neither of which are credited. Bernadette Burkett is Vera's voice, but we've got Rebecca Soliday as Vera's body. She also appeared as woman number one in Fairy Tales Can Come True, the same episode that Bernadette Burkett previously appeared in as Tinkerbell. I remember it well. And uh, she is the, the real wife of George Wint. And there's one other uncredited person at the bar. Guess who it is? Could it be Al? It is Al. Yeah. How come he wasn't invited to the dinner? That's, you know. Bit mean. <laughs> Overall, though, I think this was an incredibly good episode. It was a really fun one. And I think if we uh, we go back to that kind of quote around Cheers as a family, this is one of the, probably the most family-oriented episodes of Cheers so far. We skirted over it a little bit. When they were giving their thanks after the food fight, there was a lovely moment in here where they all raise a toast to the, the loved ones that aren't fortunate enough to be there. Mom, Dad, Uncle Fergie. My kids. Yeah. All right, Vera. 
Coach. Oh, yeah. 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 And I think this is probably the goodbye that we didn't really get when he um, didn't come back in season four. I agree. I think we needed some sort of tribute to him and we hadn't really had that previously. And now we have that acknowledgement of him and everyone in the bar agrees of missing Coach, even Woody, who never interacted with Coach on screen. You talked about that Big Bird episode before being on Thanksgiving. And it's an important part of Thanksgiving, you know, remembering and and legacy has always been a big part of Cheers as a show. And I think it was a really nice sort of sentimental line to bring up at a holiday period where families are watching together, like you say. Well, that's the the trivia bell, James. Uh, do, Do you want to kick it off with a question first? First one. What is the name of Sam's Thanksgiving date? No idea. Uh, if you like, I can give you a little clue. I'd take the clue. Think fast food. Wendy? Wendy, yes. In this episode, Norm didn't want to go to Vera's mother's. And there were three rules that kind of made him not want to go. What were those? No drinking, no football, no dancing? No beer, no TV. And uh, they turned the heat up to 80. Who are some people who have influenced Diane? Oh, I don't know. Telia Deschardins, George Sand, Caravaggio, Emily Dickinson, The Buddha, Frank Lloyd Wright, Jean d'Arc, Cherie Lewis, and Lamb Chop. Almost an opinion-based uh, question, James. Who started the foo fight, in your opinion? This is a, you know, the camel's back dilemma, isn't it? I'd say whoever knowingly started the food fight, I think it was Sam throwing the cranberry sauce at Diane. I think that was the point of no return. I disagree. I think it was Cliff. Cliff very unprovokedly threw like that jelly thing at Fraser. Norm flicked a pea, Carla flicked a carrot, and then Cliff out of nowhere threw like a a spoon of jelly at Fraser all over him. What did you do that for, Cliff? (laughs) And I feel like that's like some real pent up resentment from, from, from like years. Well, that's the final call on this episode. And uh, we've talked a lot about family in this episode and how Cheers is like a family. And uh, if you want to join our family at Hero where nobody knows your name, take a look at our Patreon page. You can uh, join the conversation with us there where we'll have some bonus episodes. And also you can become a norm where we'll give you a shout out in every episode. We've got a long way to support this and our, our future Cheers content. Yes, exactly. The link will be in our About section on Facebook. That's a quick access there. But hey, James, what, what should we be drinking this episode? I feel like it's a, a Thanksgiving episode, but I can't recall any drinks. There was a lot of food. A lot of food. Some <laughs> would say too much food. I am not one of these people. I tell you what, quite a few people said it was too much food, and they said it was wasteful, James, but we've moved past that. <laughs> What's a Thanksgiving drink? I, I want to say wine. Wine seems Thanksgiving-y. Yeah, we can get a lot of wine. Special dish, kind of popcorn balls. Old popcorn yeah. balls. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds kind of unappetizing, but okay. But yeah, well, we'll raise a glass of wine because this is a festive episode. I suppose, what are you thankful for, James? A lot of things. I'm thankful for how far this podcast has, has gone. I'm thankful for our fans of this podcast more than anything. Without them, we couldn't be where we are now. Otherwise, it would just be me and you talking to each other. Cool, that would be terrible, wouldn't it? <laughs> the success of this podcast so far uh, and the continued progress is down to the fans. So I want to thank them. I couldn't have said it better, James. Thank you to everyone for, for listening to this episode of Where Nobody Knows Your Name. I think this has been a big one, uh, a really good episode. I'm glad we've been able to have a chat about it today. Thank you for listening to Where Nobody Knows Your Name. Cheers, podcast. Cheers, podcast.